0: Welcome, everyone, to the Extending Eden podcast, where we explore stories of life in the kingdom of God. I'm your host, Daniel Chang, and you are listening to part one of our two-part episode entitled Language. Enjoy.
1: All right, today we're going to talk about language, and uh, the reason why this is important to me, I think back to a conversation I had. uh, There was somebody I was working with on on campus when I did the campus ministry, Uh, and this person didn't really pay much attention to their to their language and how they said things. And I was trying to talk to him and say, uh, you know, it's, it's important how you communicate. Uh, And and uh, later, he came back to me and said, uh, Well, Dean, I'm really glad that that you pay attention, and you can clean things up later. And uh, because I'm just going to give people what's true. And I walked away, just uh, sad, angry. Uh, I felt like, gosh, it's already hard enough <laughs> to communicate, you know, much less clean up somebody else's mistakes. So I, th- I think people don't understand why language is important. There's a basic misunderstanding of what language is and what communication is. So communication, you know, any basic communication class is going to say, uh, is going to teach you that communication is not the transmission of a signal. It's not when you beam something out. It's when a signal is received and understood. So if, if I take my phone and plug it, you know, the audio into a power outlet, only bad things are going to happen. The power outlet is not set up for that. Like we realize if I take a plug and put it into my input jack, it's just going to fry uh, the computer and or my, my device, and it's probably going to trip the wires in the house. So sending a message is not communication. And that's where language becomes essential. You have to have some shared understanding so, Gary, I don't know if you remember this story, but uh, uh, we know somebody who worked a long time in India. Uh, and people would ask him, So, are you a Christian? And he would say, No. Uh, and he would say, Now, do I love and follow Jesus? Yes. Do I read the Bible? Yes. Do I try to get together with other people who are doing the same? So, encouragement and stay on track? Absolutely, yes. But he knew that person in India, when they said, are you a Christian, they meant, are you one of those oppressor colonizers who's trying to take something away from me? So the way that person was asking the question, um, if he said yes, he would actually be miscommunicating. It's hard to wrap your head around that idea, Uh, but until you have the same language uh, until you understand what's being understood by somebody else, you're not really communicating. And so that's why for me, language is just a critical topic.
2: Well, it's really true. Uh, I was thinking as we were thinking about doing this podcast and I said, you know, God, God became a human being in order to reach human beings. And I said, so if I if I take that to be a truth and a model, then I owe it to my friends to shape my language so one human being can communicate to another human being. I just owe it to them. It's a responsibility and it's uh yeah. it's, it's an abject failure yeah. of relationship to do to not do that. Right. Because it's right. deeply responsible. But one, of, one of the things about it. You were talking about the use of, uh, he he asked the question, are you a Christian? And and his answer was no. So recently I've been thinking about um, the word lost uh, or spiritually dead. I've been in contact, in, in communication with a friend who uses the word spiritually dead. And uh, the first time I heard it, I, 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 I laughed. I said, I don't, I don't think I know I want to tell people that. I said, They're going to be really be angry at me and like, oh, who the heck are you to tell me that I'm spiritually dead? You know, especially yeah, don't
1: don't try that on grandma <laughs>
2: <yeah>. <laughs> or, or especially what people mean by spirituality. And when people mm. say I am spiritual and then to tell people, the majority of people would say, oh, yeah, I'm spiritual. And and then to tell them they're spiritually dead when they already think they're spiritual, that seems to be pretty offensive. And uh, and then to say they're lost, well, I mean, I mean, not a lot of people, th- not everybody thinks they're lost. And so to say they're lost with no context, no uh, overriding every possible assumption that you know, and overlooking every assumption you have just made, and you call them lost, you're, you've created another barrier for communication. And so I was been thinking about it, uh, about a new word. I thought, I'll try, I'll come up with a new word. And, and the new idea that came to me was, is that every person that I know at some time in their life feels disconnected with God. Everybody feels disconnected. And some of the disconnection is so great that I'm so disconnected that I don't even think he exists. And other disconnections are, I deeply believe he exists, but I feel disconnected today. And uh and, and if anybody who's married, then you've probably have had that moment when your wife says, I feel disconnected with you. And of course you just run for the closet right then. That's not a good moment. <laughs> that's, that's a really bad moment when they say that. But but uh that actually is the same emotion that I think your friends will have when the language you use disconnects them from you and from God. Mm-hmm. And so I have a story and you, know, you always have a story because I have have all these experiences. So a number of years ago, uh, a really good friend of mine, he was a German friend and uh, and he read, uh, to a little group that I was with, he read the, the story, The Giving Tree by Shel Silverstein, I think it was, and, uh, and there was about, I don't know, it was a half a dozen, I was sitting in the room and, and he read the story with, uh, with a lot of impassion and emotion and by the end of it, you know, everybody in the room, it's a bunch of men. We're all just like weeping. <laughs> I was just crying because it was it was such a powerful story about, you know, I mean, you could just see the story of Jesus in this right there, you know, this caring, loving, long, long lasting, never failing love for the boy. The little boy who'd now become an old, old man, but still loved him and saw him like a little boy. And at the end, you know, he's sitting on the stump, and the final words is, and the stump was very happy because he had given his whole, he had given his complete whole to the little boy for his whole life. So I thought it was awesome. I'm even telling about it, you know, right now, you make sure your emotions go because you think of it as a sacrifice. So my German friend, who also was an artist, sent me a hand written and hand illustrated copy of the book he made, i mean he made it himself and then sent me the book i think i may have cried the loudest and uh, so i got the book so f- at some later time i was with, with a friend who was disconnected from god and uh and i had him uh, i said man we got you know, let me read this book to you because it was so good and so i i i read i read my hand illustrated book he was an artist too so i read my hand illustrated book to him and I'm just, I kept reading with all my passion, you know, because I was loving the story. And I'm choking up at the end. And, and he finishes and he goes, that's a blankety blank book. He said, that's one of the worst stories I have ever heard. And I'm looking at him like, what planet are you from? You know? And I said, what is it that you don't like? He says, well, you know, you, you say it's a book about self-sacrifice. To me, it glamorizes the rape of our environment. I, I was stunned. Because uh, I had, I had communicated with every bit of emotion that I could, uh, uh, with the hope that he would hear this story and it would even move his own heart, you know, towards this Jesus of ours. And instead, he saw something totally different.
1: Yeah, I, I think you're you're touching on something really deep here. Um, so uh, one aspect of language is. You do have to be on the same planet. So if if all the if you grew up in that Christian uh, sacrifice giving planet, you know, and and all the images, all the metaphors, you're going to hear them in a different way. But if you grew up outside of that, you're going to hear the words fine. You're going to get the metaphors fine. But they're all going to be tied to something else. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, you you, uh, you were right. I mean, you guys weren't even on the same planet. So there's no way he could hear that story um, like right off the bat. Well, I, I think that's one of the challenges of, of language is, you know, uh, are you on the same planet?
0: We, we've we've covered some uh, great material here between the the two uh, comments that were made. Um, I, I want to kind of pause and maybe kind of give a little meaning to the words that we're using, or maybe just mm. talk about communication. Uh, Dean, you introduced as that's when two different, assuming in the simplest, most simple sense, two different people are able to share an experience and communicate. So you send it, you receive it, back and forth, that's communication. Um, how would you define language in, in that context?
1: Well, in traditional communication theory, and I'm not a communication you know, guy, uh, but dabbling in it. So in traditional communication theory, there's a source, and there's a target, and there's a medium that carries the communication. Now, people don't like some of that metaphor. That's why it's updated. You know, we don't like thinking about people as targets. But the medium that carries the communication back and forth to to people, that's language. And of course, there's words, but there's also body language. And there are written forms of the words, there's spoken forms of the word, there's inflection of the word. So so language is one of the things that carries communication between two people. And again, so, that's just kind of simple, basic um, communication theory. So we,
0: we think of communication as the goal of uniting or connecting people. Language is the mechanism, whether it's words, whether it's body language, whether it's tone, that there's a common understanding that helps to bring that communication about.
1: Yeah, I I agree with the the, the
0: vehicle, which, which which does that.
1: Right, right. Now I think the the goals are bigger than that, but, but yes, language is the medium.
0: So applying those concepts to the story that Gary told is Gary was using a language that he was familiar with. So when the story first got read to him in that original context, Everybody was speaking the same language, not just in terms of English, but in terms of uh, ex- you know previous experiences. I think it def- will will define how we understand things, you know, the, the tone of voice, everything else like that. Um, that was communicated there, and there was a, enough foundation of, uh, I guess, assumptions between the communicator and the receiver that the impact was made. However, when Gary communicated to his friend, Even though there was a language, presumably, even though he was uh, English is not his native language, but he understood the language, he understand the tone, maybe he didn't quite pick up on that as much, but then the experience was different. So even though the language connected in that case, um, the communication didn't, didn't, um, proceed as Gary had intended.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. There, there's, there's something about our background, our history, um, What's important to us? What we've heard? What we believe? All that makes it harder to
0: communicate. When because we make certain. Because we make certain assumptions of the people we're talking to. You know, sometimes I'll see a patient and I look at them and I'll start talking to them, and not sometimes I'm not entirely sure if they speak English. <laughs> mm. And then. Um, you know, and so I'll ask them, do you speak English? And sometimes they'll nod and pretend like they can kind of understand. So, you know, there's a certain assumption that you understand even the words that I say uh, versus, you know, other things. Or when I'm explaining about, uh, you know, I'm an eye surgeon, so I'm explaining about the eye. I have to paint a certain foundational amount of knowledge so that they can understand what I'm saying.
1: Yeah, that's and right.
0: So in the case of Gary's story, when he was speaking to his friend, there was... We call that a miscommunication or perhaps there's a communication that actually in some ways opened up a bigger issue with other opportunities to connect because there's a difference in maybe foundational uh, philosophy or worldview or something um, that the communication opened up that was unexpected.
1: Right, right, I think it definitely opens up more opportunities. Uh, you know, it gets a little bit to the question, you know, if a forest falls in the tree and no one's there, did it make a sound? So if Gary read a beautiful story and the guy totally misheard it or heard a different story, did Gary communicate or not really gary did the did the book communicate so uh, let me
0: let me ask you this, Gary, is just as a follow-up to that story, uh, and I'm sure that's probably not the first time that you you've told the story and I think the the the, the fun part of having a podcast versus listening to a, a lecture is we get the probe so so what happened after you realized that he saw this was a you know a rape of the the natural world and you realized whoa he didn't get the message that I was trying to communicate through the language I was using what, what happened next
2: oh well was um, my, my response, like I can still remember it because the next response was even more interesting, but it was very helpful. Uh, so my response was, I don't think I understand how you see it that way. So could you show me how you see it? And he says, well, first of all, the tree was an idiot because they just let themselves be used. And I thought, oh, okay, well, that's pretty interesting, you know. And I said, so I, I said, so being used and being taken advantage of. he said, Yeah, who wants to be taken advantage of? And I thought, oh, I don't. I thought, well, I don't. And uh, and so we actually found some common ground right away, and that we both didn't want to be taken advantage of over things. But but then we explored. Well, is it ever reasonable, a right, to sacrifice something of yourself for somebody else? And that that was an easier conversation to go to then we went to a conversation we were actually found ourselves on the same ground but the the initial shock was still still there so I, I didn't see that but uh yeah so that was a helpful it uh you know would i do it again yeah <laughs> probably so <laughs> because the story does stand for itself and and right. it has its own meaning but i might if i were doing it in a different again in another place i might say now It'd be interesting to hear how you hear this story that would have been, that would have been smarter on my part. That would be right. right. It'd be wiser. So how, you, how did you, how would you hear this? If I read this and let's talk about how we each have heard this. Well, I think that goes
0: to the, the, the concept that you've talked about about discussion versus a dialogue, right? So if you have a set point, you're planning to communicate, you're using the language you didn't quite get there. You can say, in terms of a discussion, maybe it's not working. Um, so you define dialogue as kind of an open contribution to ideas, and a discussion is more of a closed discussion. Of you know, has the word concussion kind of concept in there is your 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 more of a closed uh, conversation. So in this case, if you switched your mode from I'm trying to convey this emotional experience I had, and he didn't get it, and first you kind of get taken aback maybe a little angry maybe a little surprised or disappointed is you realize hey this opens up a different door because of the emotions presumably from the his use of la- his language colorful language is that okay you've hit a nerve and that's an opportunity if you go back out to the dialogue that you can really um through common language reach a connection a communication a level that you may not have had before
2: yeah maybe uh since, since you raised the word dialogue and discussion, it might be worth me giving a 10 or 15 seconds on what, sure, sure. What, I, what I mean by that when I say that. Uh, so there are two kinds of, of um, communication uh, that we often run into. Uh, the idea of dialogue, it's dia is two or multiple and log is word. So many words. And, and discussion is a discussion, so it, is, it has the idea of the banging together of things to the, uh, yeah, conflict, pushing together. And so if you if you could think in, in your mind, if you could imagine two funnels and you would kind of hold them up with the open ends pointing towards each other, and so little narrow ends at the back, you know, the back end of things. So in a dialogue, when you're, if we'll just think assume that's on your left-hand side, Uh, a dialogue is when you're it's the Greek word was uh, like two people standing at at a river looking at the river and a leaf is floating down through the middle of the river and so they're going to use many words to describe the leaf and so the, the idea of dialogue is to open up to discover to disclose those kinds of ideas so you're not moving towards any kind of a decision and so the discussion is a form of language where you're you're closing down so you're moving the idea down to a narrower point so it it's like a uh deciding is is a word that you might use to just you know to describe uh, what dialogue i mean the discussion looks like or concluding there's a no, number of different words like that so maybe a simple example would be if you say to your your uh your spouse uh, would you like to go to the movies Friday night? Uh, uh, well, if you're married, you know, often what they'll go is just, okay, that's fine. And then you go, which movie would you like to go to? And they go, it doesn't matter to me. And now you're starting, the tension is rising. <laughs> you're, you're, trying, you're trying to do something really nice. And you're actually all the way over here on the discussion level. You have you've completely missed the dialogue possibilities. So what are some of the things we could do this weekend? That would be a dialogue kind of a question. And so really useful is knowing where you are in the, and it's not that one's bad or good or something, but knowing where you are in a conversation with someone is a huge issue in language and and how we communicate with one another. Because one's one place, one's the other place, you got trouble.
1: I love that example of, you know, if you had, eventually if you want to do something, you do have to have a discussion. Right, but if you jump right there without knowing what your conversation partner is already thinking, so if I had that conversation, the same thing would happen. And you know, with my wife, hey, you want to go to a movie? (laughs) But if I start with, "What are you thinking about this weekend?" she's likely to say, "Oh, well, you know that so and so is visiting us, and uh, there's a hundred things we need to do to get ready for that." Oh, okay. And the, the movie goes out the window right so great and 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 I think I think that circles back around to you know this idea of of language part of knowing what language to use is you have to do some listening first so you have to like somebody asked me you know so Dean how you describe what you do and uh, at the time when i was asked this question i was a chaplain for for uh duke university so duke hires all people navigators campus crusade varsity, they call them chaplains and so somebody said how do you tell people what you do and i said well i i don't tell them until I, i've got a handle on where they're coming from mm. so so i could say um well, it's kind of interesting. I'm I i, I um, I'm not very religious, uh, but I'm a chaplain. And so I've said enough that's true. I'm not going to tell somebody something that's not true and hope they like me more. But I, I threw out a couple words, not religious and chaplain. And uh, I didn't put myself in a box, but I invited them to talk to me more. So you know, typically people would say, well, that's strange. What do you mean? And I could say, well, you know, I don't know about you. What, what faith did you grow up with? And then if they tell me, yeah, I grew up Methodist, but, you know, after my parents got a divorce, I decided God wasn't. I wasn't interested in God anymore. Well, automatically, I know a lot more about this person. Or if they say, gosh, I don't know. I My parents were hippies. I didn't really grow up with any religion. Well, I'm going to use a different set of language. So, so I'm not going to tell somebody. I'm not going to use language that I don't know if it communicates, right? So if somebody walks up to me, I'm not just going to pick a language at random and use it with them. I'm going to figure out, oh, do, do you speak English? Great, then. You, you don't speak English well we're gonna have to negotiate
0: I think you know it's interesting you, you mentioned how you introduce yourself to people, and I see that you know being with Gary, I see he you know introduce him a lot of, to a lot of my friends when he comes to visit as I see he introduces himself differently depending on who he's talking to and I've usually told him already who we're meeting and kind of what their background is, so he has an idea of where they're coming from, but he can introduce himself either as a staff member for navigators or you know, as an artist or someone who's, you know, looking into beauty. Um, so I think it's, you know, again, the, the quicker we can understand where the person we're from, the more effectively we can communicate. And I think especially early on is staying in that dialogue mode is knowing that we don't really know this person. And even someone as close as our spouses, you know, we need to be ready to jump into that. Maybe I don't know them. Maybe I'm communicating from a different point um, and, and using the language that works that gets the, the point across uh, i think our ability to kind of go back and forth makes us better uh, at communicators and ultimately building those relationships
2: uh dean uh, as you sh- shared your story and and daniel just related the story if i was a listener to the podcast right now i might wonder if that doesn't sound sort of manipulative
1: mm-hmm. yeah so,
2: yeah so so I thought maybe I'd share a thought about that since I hear yeah. it I'm just sitting there listening and I'm thinking oh yeah okay well you know you can miss the point here so I I um, because I act like that uh, uh, I, there's a there's several motivating factors for me you know one of, one of the motivating factors for me is is that I I feel like that my words um, if nothing else my words should should communicate a desire to lovingly serve somebody. I just think that's key. I mean, that's that's got to be inside of me. So that's not like I can't ramp that up. That's not like a oh oh I think I'll be lovingly serving today. That that should, that's that's fake when you see it. <laughs> so that's about that's on me, you know, to be the kind of person who is willing to be that person. But but I, the more I th- as I have thought about it, I thought uh when i go to buy a car i actually usually don't think the person is trying to lovingly serve me you know actually i'm in a bad mood when i step onto the parking lot you know <laughs> when i get out of my car and i see you know 12 salesmen standing outside the door i do not feel like i'm getting ready to move into a place of integrity and trust <laughs> and confidence that are going to be well served and put your hand on your wallet yeah right well anyway i it made me think about a definition for. Um, Manipulation, and uh, 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 and I would use a. Uh, it's probably the same definition I would use for the word propaganda. So if I were defining propaganda or manipulation, I'd use this definition. So this is mine. This is bonus. Uh, it's not in the Webster's, but I, I wrote it up, and it said it's uh, whenever we uh, we communicate in a way that someone makes a decision that they would not otherwise have made had they had full information.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I said, that, that's manipulation, that's propaganda, you know, you're, you're, you're tricking somebody. And uh, so when I share who I am, I have to be really careful that, you know, what I'm sharing is it's meant for their good and, and it's not going to cause them to make a decision about me or anything else that they wouldn't have made because I'm going to reveal all of me as we go along. I'm not going to hold back. It's just as how I'm going to begin our conversation. I don't want the conversation to be stopped before we start. You know. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. for a way in, and then I want to stay in the game, and then I'm going to give you all I got because you will, I you think, will, you will know me quickly.
0: I, I think that's a great point about communication, right? Every time we communicate, we're trying to convey a thought or perspective or opinion on somebody and perhaps to change their thinking on something. And our intention of of whether it's for their good or for our own good, that's fundamental to who we are. If you're lovingly serving somebody, you do what you think is best for them. You could be wrong, but your intention is to serve them. If you're selfish, then all your intention is to serve yourself and you use language, you use that communication to manipulate them to do what you want. So at the end of the day, it's where our intentions are, where our hearts are, so to speak, that dictates, I think, the ultimate value of communication.